church. God's giving us a, a new facility, and, and and there's just we, we've kind of called this series this this season uh, Miracle in Motion. Uh, because when we started it, we didn't know exactly uh, how it was all going to work out, but we just said, we feel like this is what the Lord is directing, and uh, we've been moving in that direction, and God keeps opening doors, and it's amazing the generosity of of the church and what happens when we all come together, and then um, when we do what we can do, then we're seeing God do what only He can do, and He's been working with uh, all the details uh, financing and all the things with that and just pr- providing it so uh, everything that 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 you're giving it's it's enough to to be able to move forward it's just awesome what God's doing and I just thank you thank you thank you for being such an amazing church and uh, it's so 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 exciting what God's doing among us and uh, in, in this series we're going to be just looking at the life of Jesus leading up to Easter I can't believe it's already that time and um, Easter is such an incredible season when we celebrate um, the resurrection of Jesus. My four-year-old Carter, we were, I was uh, walking through the grocery store with him a couple weeks ago, and there's already sitting out all the Easter baskets and all those things. And I said, Carter, do you know what Easter is all about? And he said, candy, Dad, candy. <laughs> I said, I'm a bad pastor. I got a lot of work in my own home. But I, I told him, I said, no. It's the most important day of the whole year. And he said, Dad, is it more important than my birthday? <laughs> I said, yeah. And uh, it's, we've, we've been having those conversations in our home and uh, explaining the gospel and the story of Jesus to them has been so refreshing to me because, you know what, it's a simple gospel. And, uh, man, religion has a way of just really confusing us and hurt and pain and shame and you know what it's uh, it, it just it's all about Jesus who's come to touch our lives and can I just say this no matter where you, you're at emotionally wherever you're at in a relationship maybe you're just trying this thing out maybe you're just you know somebody you know um, you know promise they take you to lunch if you came today I don't know why you're here but, but I, I just want to, I want you to know that Jesus, the one we've been singing about, he's here and he's here to help. He's here to give you strength today. And um, I, I want to look at a teaching in the life of, of Jesus and it just continually comes up. And in, in this uh, series, we're going to look at some of the major themes of the life and teaching of Jesus. And uh, let's start in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. We're going to read through verse 34. But such a great passage of scripture. It says this, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body for what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more value than they? And which of you by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life. And why are you anxious about clothing? I think he's preaching to somebody there. Talking to the guys about food and the ladies about clothes. I don't know. I don't know what's happening there. It says, consider the lilies of the field. Sorry, preacher jokes. You got to work with me. Uh, How they grow, they neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Verse 30, But if God so clothes the grass of the field, 
which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore don't be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. I love that. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. I just want to title this message today, Jesus Changed My Mind. Jesus, as we're talking, Jesus changes everything. I want to talk today how Jesus wants to change our minds. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for your grace. Give us strength uh, to, to comprehend, to understand. And, and most of all, Holy Spirit, would you speak more than I could speak in a million sermons? Would you speak words I could never say? And, uh, and we will give you all the glory. Let us see Jesus. Let us be changed here today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I have a question. When's the last time you heard the word anxiety? Anybody heard the word anxiety? Or maybe I should ask, when's the last time you said I'm anxious, anxiety, right? It seems like it's a buzzword in our society today. I, I, I was thinking about this. I don't think growing up that, that I heard the word anxiety anywhere near as much as I hear today. I hear, uh, I, I hear students, young adults, older people, people uh, all in church life and in the world around us and in news. I, I just feel like anxiety is something that so many of us are walking through and uh, we're walking through worry, we're walking through anxiety, and, and it's, it's, it's amazing to me that Jesus, so much of his life and ministry, is dealing with this thing that 2,000 years later, we're still walking through. With all the advancements that we've had in American society, why is it that we're some of the most worried people on planet Earth? I read an article recently uh, about a teenage girl who was going through crippling anxiety, a teenager. And uh, the article started by saying this, it's a tough time to be a teenager. Figures show that in 2017, nearly 13, um, 13 of, uh, 5 to 19-year-olds are struggling with anxiety. Even more disturbing are the numbers of children self-harming with hospital admissions doubling over the past six years. These alarming statistics are just the tip of the iceberg. New research shows that depression in 14-year-olds has risen from 9 to 15% in just the last 10 years. And in this article, it goes on to talk about this young girl who was going through this. And it says, uh, her mother asked if anything was wrong, and she confessed that she was worried about being good enough, specifically for an upcoming test, and worried constantly that she would not get in the right school and perform the way that she should or could. And she was worried, and the more worried she became, the more time she spent on social media. She also felt unattractive and would post curated photos of herself and if she didn't get 20 likes within a half hour, her mood dropped, leaving her more miserable and spending more time trying to get positive comments, often posting late at night in a vicious cycle of constant worry 
in her life. That, that, that we're a worried society, young and old. We're, we're constantly in a conundrum about what the future is going to hold and if we're going to be enough and if people like us and about our identity. And to me, it's so interesting that Jesus spent so much of his life in ministry and teaching talking to us about worry. I think sometimes when we think about Jesus, we just think about heaven and hell and the afterlife. And Jesus indeed does talk about all those things. But he's not just for the there and then. Jesus wants to be your God here and now. He, didn't just, he doesn't just want to get you to heaven. He wants you to help bring heaven to earth right now. And so many of us, even as believers, we're, we're racked with the same crippling anxiety that much of the world is. And, and my prayer is that today, that I, I just dedicate this message, and I'm not trying to make light of it, but I'm, I dedicate this message to someone that you're in a worried state, in an anxious state, and I just want you to know that Jesus can change everything, and you don't have to live that way. See, your condition is not a life sentence. Just because this is a condition you've been experiencing for a long time does not mean that that's God's destiny for your life. Because Jesus constantly gives us this reality that you don't have to live a worried life. I want to read some of what Jesus said. John chapter 16, verse 33, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. Could you say that word with me? Peace. What a concept. What a thought in our troubled world. Jesus says, I've told you these things. And so you could have peace. For in this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I've overcome the world. What was Jesus saying? He was simply saying that peace is possible. I want to tell somebody that today. Peace is possible in your life. You don't have to live in that anxious, worried state. But I believe that through the power of Jesus that we can understand and we can start living this life where we're not worried about the future, but we're, we're experiencing the peace of God. I want to show you uh, John chapter 14, verse 27. That's another passage that Jesus speaks about this reality. He says this, I'm leaving a gift with you. Awesome. What gift are you going to give us, Jesus? peace of mind and of heart. And this peace that I give is a gift that the world cannot give. What a truth. Jesus says that the world that we live in, it's not just the physical reality, but the culture in which we live and move and breathe, the culture around us, the, the, the world that we live, Jesus says, if you're ever looking for peace, it's never going to be found in this world, in this life, in stuff, in things, in people, in, in more acclaim or affirmation. See, I think a lot of times we think when something happens then I'll have peace. And it's always attached to the world, right? Uh, uh, when I get married, I'll have peace. And, and all the married folk are like, Lord bless them. <laughs> you say, well, if I could just, if, if I could just, if I, man, I, one day, someday, when I just have kids, I will have peace. Somebody's laughing because they know. 
And then you think, God, if these kids will ever get out of this house. God, if I could ever get in that new home, I'll have peace. If I could ever drive that new car, I'll have peace. If I could ever get in that perfect physical condition and shape, then I'll have peace. If I could ever achieve that bonus or, or make that goal or, or, or arrive, I'll have peace. I'll never forget when we first moved here, the church hadn't yet really started or got off the ground, and I um, was making friends with other pastors in town, and I was having coffee with the pastor on Monday, on a Monday, and he was complaining about the Sunday that he had just had. And in the middle of complaining, and he said, yeah, we only had 150 people at church on top of all of it. And so at the time, I don't know, we were a congregation of four people, my wife and I and two little boys that had no choice in the matter. And I remember thinking, 150 people? And you have problems? I cannot even fathom 150 people waking up on a Sunday morning and deciding to come where I am just magically. How in the world do 150 people come into a church? And you're upset about it? And then, I'll never forget the day when we moved in here and we had 150 people. And I realized, you know what? You never arrive. You never arrive at some point in life where you think, man, that was enough. Because the chains always move, right? There's always another goal. There's always a bigger house. There's always a next thing. There's always something else. And Jesus says, if you're looking for this world to bring you the peace... Like if you're looking to something you don't have that's related to this earth to bring you peace, understand you'll never find it because the peace, well, think about it. Peace is a gift that Jesus has left with us. But many times that gift stays wrapped up and we refuse to open it. And that's what I want us to do to open it and to get away from the thief of worry in our life. Kick that thief out of our house and lock the door. Got thinking, what do we worry about? We worry about not getting what we want. Not achieving. Not having the right relationships. Not uh, the fear, the worry of, I'm not going to get what I want to have. I'm not going to arrive where I want to arrive. Or we worry about this. If it's not what we don't have, uh, we worry about losing what we do have. We, we, we get a little bit of uh, success. We get a little bit of, you know, we're moving in the right direction in our lives. And then there's worry that comes with success. Man, I'm terrible. In the beginning, you worry if you'll be able to achieve. Then after you achieve, you're worried that you're going to fail. And we self-sabotage. And, and we're worried. Am I going to be able to... Now, I'm worried I'm not going to get the job. Now that I have the job, it's so good, I'm so worried I'm going to lose the job. We worry about it. Or we worry about getting what we don't want. This is uh, what WebMD does in my family. Thank the Lord my doctor went to school for years and years but I think in the moment that I can go on WebMD and in 30 seconds get the same education that my doctor got in 12 years. And, and WebMD can turn my headache into brain cancer. I mean, can it not? Because we worry. We worry. 
We worry about what's happening around us. And, and, and I just want to tell you that Jesus came to be an antidote, to be a prescription, if you will, for the worry of your life. I want to remind you that this is the promise of Jesus in Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6. For unto us a child is born, and to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. The word in Hebrew there, the Old Testament was written in Hebrew. Uh, the, the, the literal kind of translation of that is the Tsar Shalom. I don't know if you've ever seen like Aladdin, you have the Tsar. And he's, he's literally the king of peace. He's the Tsar of Shalom. You, you, you need peace in your life. It's not going to come through getting that next thing. Can I tell you, it's only going to come through Jesus Christ. That's it. And that's the gift that he wants to give us. See, that's what he did in the life of the disciples. And I'm so encouraged by people in the Bible. Um, as a kid, I thought the Bible was a book of heroes. But what I found is that with the exclusion of Jesus, the Bible's a book of like ordinary people, zeros, right? People that deal with issues just like you and me, you know? Uh, it's not a book of hero, heroes. It's a book of ordinary people that had doubts, fears, and worries, but that Jesus used them anyway. If you've ever wondered if God can use you, can I tell you, you're a prime candidate for God to use. That God wants to use you and do a great work in and through your life. And, and the disciples, after they had experienced the greatest miracle of their life, the feeding of the 5,000. So Jesus took a uh, number two combo from Captain D's and fed 5,000 people with it. And right after their greatest miracle, they immediately went into a storm. And isn't that how life works sometimes? That we can be on the highest high and then the next day we're on the lowest low? That we can go from a miracle to a storm in just a moment. You can be a disciple of Jesus, walking so close with Jesus, and go from a miracle season to a storm season right there. And the amazing thing about it in Matthew chapter 14, it says that Jesus made them go into the boat. In other words, just because they were in a storm didn't mean they were out of the will of God. That you can be walking through a stormy season of your life and God still be with you in the storm. But Jesus came to them when they got terrified and afraid. They weren't great men of faith. They were ordinary people, and they got worried. They got fearful. They got afraid. God, what's going to happen? We're all going to die. What, what good is all this food that we have around us if we're going to die in the water? I mean, they're just terrified and afraid. And Jesus comes strolling on top of the water, you know? And I, I can just see him walking with confidence, walking without fear. And, and, and the thing that they are just so terrified about, Jesus already has it under his feet they're worried about the waves professional fishermen worried about the waves and Jesus here he's just strolling on top of the thing that has them terrified can I tell you Jesus is walking on top of the thing that has you terrified and you may be afraid and worried and up and down but Jesus was trying to give them a principle and it's simply this that you can be in a storm but the storm not be in you See, we're going to have storms in life. We're going to get bad news. We're going to deal with problems with our children. We're going to have things happen, a reverse in our job situation. We're going to have people walk out the door. We're going to have storms in our lives. See, Christian, the Christianity does not promise a storm-free life. But Jesus promises a, a, a storm-free heart. 
a heart that trusts God in the middle of the storm. So how do we, how do we deal with this? How, how, do we, how do we get this worry and anxiety out of us? I hope this is helping somebody today. Just wanna, I just want to share my heart about Jesus helping us because I think sometimes we're worried like a badge of courage and honor. Like, I'm just, I'm just so proud that I'm, I'm just worried. You know, I'm just going, you know, and, and, and we, we do something that Jesus said not to do. I mean, like, it was a command. Don't worry. So how do we do this? It doesn't make sense. So, so here's, here, here's some, how, how do we live a life free of worry, anxiety? If you're taking notes, here's the, first, here's the first idea that Jesus gives us from his message about worry. Number one, put the promise on repeat. Put the promise on repeat. Anybody ever put a song on repeat in your car or on your phone? Anybody ever do that before? Put it on repeat? Man, I'm the worst at this. And you can ask any of our staff here. I will listen to a song for weeks. Like just one song. My wife is like, are you done with that? Like I never want to hear that song again. Like I, I, we, were, we were on spring break and I had like two songs that I listened to the entire time in the car, working out, you know, driving, like, like wherever we were sitting down, reading. I, I mean, I just, I have, I don't know, that's, y'all pray for my wife. Y'all pray for me. I don't know why I do that. But, but there's something about, I'll just put it on repeat and just listen and listen and listen and listen. Can I tell you, all of us have something on repeat in our mind. Maybe our failures are on repeat. Oh, you're such a failure. Look what you've done. Look at, look at that thing that you did that, that, that God won't even love you because of it. You're, you'll never amount to anything. Maybe it's something someone else said over you or something you did to yourself and you just have it on repeat, on repeat, on repeat, on repeat, on repeat. Maybe it's your own, maybe it's your own self, negative self-identity. You're, you're ugly. You're, you're fat. You're, you're not somebody that's attractive. And, and you just hear, you're, you're always, you're going to be alone. No one loves you. You have a negative self-identity and it's on repeat or, or worry is on repeat about, about the pain in your body. You're, it's going to kill you. About the financial issues you're going through. You're going to go bankrupt. You're, you're never going to amount to anything. You're never going to get out of debt. And it's just on repeat, on repeat in your mind. Can I tell you, if we're going to live stress-free, worried-free lives that Jesus offered to us and experience His peace, we have to make a choice to put His promises on repeat in our mind. You see, worry is just repeating the problem over and over and over and over and over and over again. But worship is repeating the promise over and over and over and over and over and over again. Jesus was saying this. I love what he said, verse 26. Look at the birds. <laughs> Look at the birds in the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barn. Then he says, look at the lilies in the field. What was he saying? I just imagine him teaching. And he's, he's outside and there's birds. Chirp, 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 chirp. He's like, hey, by the way, look at that bird. He wasn't trying to make some big theological construct. He was just trying to say, hey, it's on repeat. It's in the birds. He's to say, hey, when you're going, look at those lilies down there. Aren't those some beautiful flowers? Can I tell you, Solomon wasn't even arrayed as nice as that. And can I tell you, God's not going to let you be without. In other words, the promise, put it on repeat everywhere you go. See God's promise in the trees. See it in the mountains. See it in the waves. See it everywhere around you. Put it on repeat in your mind and don't forget Worry is simply to allow your mind to dwell on trouble. 
Just dwell on it. We're all dwelling on something. But, but I want to challenge us to dwell on the Word. Don't dwell on worry. Dwell on the Word. See, see this, this Bible is more than just something that's for Sunday school Bible stories and flannel graphs. If you grew up in Sunday school, you know what a flannel graph is. <laughs> but this is actually a weapon, like a, a weapon to fight with. Like, like, like this is a weapon of mass destruction to the devil. And, and, and I think sometimes we see it as a, just a nice religious book, and, and we miss the reality that, no, this is, yes, it's a wonderful book, but this is a weapon with which we fight worry in our mind. Because the more of this book we get in our mind, the more we have a weapon against the worries that come against us. That we're Just imagine if you were going off into battle and you had a no weapon in your hand. You're just running off into the enemy, no weapon. You'd be like, Lord, touch that person over there. Just running off into the battle. But how many of us are running into the battle of life with no weapon of the word to wake up in the morning with? No, 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 wait, no, no, we're worried. Here, here's some of those words. When you're worried about you're not going to get what you want, can I just give you some word for that? For the Lord is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor, and no good thing will He withhold from those who walk uprightly. In other words, whenever the worry comes that I'm not going to get something good, can I tell you, God's not going to hold anything good back from you. That's what the word says. Philippians 4.19 My God shall supply all your needs according to His riches in glory in Christ Jesus. The enemy says, oh, you're never going to have enough. You're not going to be able to make it. No, 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 no. That's not what the Word says. Psalm chapter 37 verse 25 David said this, I've been young and now I'm old. Yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken or his children begging bread. In other words, when the devil comes to you, when those thoughts come in your mind about you're never going to get something good, God's holding something back from you, just remind yourself of what the Word says. Whenever you feel worried about losing what you have, when you feel worried about losing that success that you have, can I give you a word for that? It says, Psalm 84, Blessed are those whose strength is in you. They go from, as they pass through the valley, they make it a place of strings, springs, and they go from strength to strength. That's been a word I've been using lately. When the enemy comes to me, it's something I deal with so much. When the worry comes in my mind, oh, it's good, but it's not going to stay good. It's telling my wife, I get text messages or emails, and the first thing that goes through my mind is, what's wrong? What's wrong? What's wrong? And it's like anxiety. What's wrong? Is everybody okay? Somebody getting trouble? Like, what's wrong? Is the church okay? Did, you know, did it burn down? You know, like, like immediately, I'm the worst. My, you know, worry. I'm, I'm just a worry machine, right? But, but, but I've been reminding myself that, no, with God, I go from strength to strength. I go from glory to glory. I love what the scripture says. His anger's for a moment, Psalm 30, verse 5. But his favor is for a lifetime. When's the last time you reminded yourself that this favor that I have with God is not a temporary circumstance dependent on my, my performance? But I have favor on my life and it is for a lifetime. 
So enemy, when you lie to me about what's going to happen in my future, can I just remind you, my future is filled with favor because of what's the word, what the word says in my life. Worried about not getting what you want? I mean, worried about getting something you don't want? Worried about fear of health? Fear of financial ruin? Fear and worry and anxiety about getting something you don't want? Psalm chapter 91 says this, You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day. You will not fear the terror of the, the night or the arrow that flies by day, for a thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right side, but it will not come near your house. Stand on that word. When the enemy says, oh, look at them, look at how their family, look at, look at them, look at how their issues, just, 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 remind, just remind yourself, no, a thousand may fall at the, my right side or at my left side, but God's word says it's not coming near my house. See, use God's word as a weapon. See, instead of telling your God just about how bad your worry is, why don't you tell the mountain of worry in your life how big your God is? Just, just stop being a victim of your circumstance and every time that thought comes in your mind, say, oh no, that's a lie. I'm going to take it in my hand and I'm going to put it under the word of God because this word is true. You see, we have great hardware. It's like a computer. We have great hardware. Our mind is the most amazing supercomputer that, will ever, that there ever will be. But we have terrible software because of sin. Anybody ever had a virus on your software? All you PC people out, out there. Us Mac people, we don't deal with what you deal with. I'll pray for you. <laughs> but see, like a virus, sin corrupts our hard drive. And we focus on the wrong thing. But the more, this is the software that this, hard, that this hard drive, that this hardware, that this computer was supposed to run on. So the more word we get in our mind, the more we have the ability to do everything God's called us to do so that we can live in the peace of God. Something that has been a recent just revelation for me is about meditating on that promise, meditating on the word. And a lot of times that seems like such a like impossible thing to do, like... I have to, you know, eat. I have to work. I have to have meetings. How am I supposed to just, am I supposed to just live my life like this all day? Like meditating in the Word? Like, like is that what that means? I'm supposed to like, you know, come to church every day and just sit here all day, just meditate on the Word? The truth is, there are really only, there are really four times a day that Satan attacks our minds. And see if this is true for your life. Four times a day, you're going to deal with worry, anxiety, anger, lust, bitterness, anxious thoughts. And it's going to be four times a day. When you get up in the morning, when you're getting ready, you're getting up in the morning. When you're in bed at night, maybe you wake up in the middle of the night. When you sit in your house, just sitting there watching something. Or when you're traveling. Those are four times in every day that you can just mark it down. There's going to be a, an attack on your mind. And so it's no wonder that the word says in Deuteronomy that we're supposed to be teaching our children the word of God when you lay down, when you rise up, when you walk by the way, and when you sit in your house. Because those are the four times in every day that Satan's going to attack your mind. So here's the reality. If you know today Satan's going to attack your mind, can I encourage you, get a word to fight him with. 
So it's no surprise when you're going to be waking up in the middle of the night, Satan's going to attack your mind with some circumstance. Can you just go ahead and get a word on your mind to attack him with? And read what you need. If you're dealing with anger, read a word about anger. If you're dealing with bitterness, read a word about bitterness. If you're dealing with anxiety, read a word about it so that when the enemy attacks you, you have something to fight him back with. That's when you're going to get attacked with lust. Remind yourself who you are. Remind yourself what God says about you. It's powerful. I've been loading up my mind. I've just done a lot of research. This is where I've been living the last few months. And my Bible's just full of all kinds of notes and just things I've been reading on a daily basis. And I've been having a psalm I read in the morning and a psalm I read at night. I'll share some of it online this, this coming week on, on, on social media. But, but I read psalms like this before I go to bed. This is so good. I read psalms like this, Psalm 121. He will not let your foot be moved, for he who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber or sleep, for the Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. And the sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. For the Lord will keep you from all evil, and He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. In other words, when I go to bed, I remind myself that my God's not going to bed. He's staying up all night making sure my family's safe, making sure my church family is cared for, that I don't have to be everything to everybody because He's the one who's keeping my life. And you put that word in your head. So when you wake up at night, whenever you, you have those sleepless nights, get the word in your mind and start reading it. Don't dwell on the problem. Put the promise on repeat. Here's the, here's, here's the second thing. Number two, refuse to travel into tomorrow today. This is a hard one. Jesus says, therefore, don't be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. I often take trips into tomorrow. In those moments when I'm contemplative that I mentioned to you earlier. Jesus is saying, every time you travel to tomorrow today, you go there without grace and without God. Because God is here right now. Deuteronomy 33 verse 25 says, As thy days, so shall thy strength be. In other words, God gives you strength not for tomorrow, but for today. So that's why when we think about the future, we have worry. Because can I tell you? We're, God's grace is here today. And if we will trust Him today, I promise when we step into tomorrow, that same grace that kept us today will keep us tomorrow. But when we live in the future in worry and fear and anxiety, I rarely meet someone who says, you know what, I just spend so much time thinking about tomorrow and how good it's going to be. Man, I just... Imagine I'll probably win the lottery tomorrow and I'll probably people just probably just throw money at me tomorrow. I don't even know. It's just so exciting. No, we think about worry and fear. Here's here's the third thing. This is powerful. Put God's kingdom before yours. <laughs> Jesus turns the whole table. Because if you were to go to the bookstore right now and go to the self-help section and see a book about worry and anxiety, it's going to be about 
taking things out of your life. It's going to be about simplifying, minimizing, cleaning out your closet, making your all these. It's going to be all external, all connected to the world and your life. You know, guard your time, protect your all these things. Jesus says this. No, if you want to have peace, it's connected to you putting God's kingdom before your kingdom. We all have a kingdom. We all have a career, family, people that we're responsible for. We all we all have our little kingdom. But Jesus says, if you want peace in a worry-free life, you have to make the conscious choice to put God's kingdom before your kingdom. And when you put God's first in your time, when you put God's first in your talents, say, God, my talent, I know I could use it for my kingdom, but God, I want to use my talent for your kingdom because you gave it to me. I can use my time to build my kingdom, to build my little my life, my family, my friend, my but Lord, you didn't, this time it came from you, so I want to build your kingdom with my time. Say, my finances. God, you've given this to me, but these finances are not about me building my kingdom. These finances are about me putting your kingdom before my kingdom. And I can personally testify that when you put God's kingdom first in an area of your life, peace and anxiety, peace comes and anxiety has to go. See, some of us, we've been in the middle of giving in um, sacrificial ways during this miracle in motion offering to the building and, and future that the church has. And I can, I, can, I can about promise you, I'll just speak for my own life, when you give sacrificially, there is a supernatural peace that come over your finances. But when you try to be only about building your kingdom, man, it's the most worry-filled thing no matter if you have $5 in the bank or $5 million in the bank. But when you start putting God's kingdom first and giving sacrificially, man, there's this like, why? Because you know what? At the end of the day, I know God's got it. Peace comes. Put his kingdom first. Here's the fourth and final thing. Musicians, you could come. Number four, spend time in the presence of God. Spend time in the presence of God. Psalm chapter 16 verse 11 says, You make known to me the path of life. For in your presence there is fullness of joy. I want to say that again. In your presence there is fullness of joy. And at your right hand there are pleasures forevermore. See the worry, anxiety, and fear has to leave when we get in the presence of God. That's what I love about coming to church. Something about when we, we're singing that song, what a beautiful name it is. Man, there's something that, there's a supernatural peace that I honestly can't explain. Just being in here in the presence of God. to live that life that's free of worry and free of anxiety I want to challenge us get in the presence of God spend time in his presence cultivate the presence of God what that looks like for me is man, taking a walk alone and as I walk I talk to God I share with him what I'm worried about it's been seasons of my life where that's been in my car I have made life-altering 
decisions with the Lord, driving down the road just in his presence. My encouragement, pray with your eyes open if you're going to do that. Prayer, singing songs. We used to sing a song whenever I was growing up in church, and it, um, it said this, Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. We sing it, Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Spend some time in his presence. What a beautiful name it is. What a beautiful name it is. The name of Jesus Christ, our King. What a wonderful name it is. However it goes, <laughs> nothing compares to this. What a beautiful name it is. The name of Jesus. See, can't you feel it shift when we start doing that? Our, when, we start, when, we, when we start worshiping, our problems are up here. But the more we worship, our promise starts getting up here and our worries start getting down here. Can I tell you, you can do that every day. Because Jesus is with you no matter where you are. When you're driving down the car, when you wake up in the middle of the night, when you're getting ready in the morning, don't turn on the news. Don't, don't turn on something to just get you more anxious. Don't think about the problem. But spend some time in His presence and understand that He's with you all the way. That He's going to do something great and mighty in and through your life because He wants to change your mind and give you freedom from the worry and anxiety. But it's in His presence. It's in His Word. That's where it's found. Let's pray together. Thank you, Lord, for your truth. Thank you for your presence. Lord, we want to be a people of your presence. We want to be a church of your presence. God, we don't want to just come and, 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 and hear pithy sermons, God, and just go home and be the same. God, we want to be changed by Jesus. We want to be changed. We want our minds to be changed. God, I pray for those in this place that are dealing with crippling anxiety and worry, Lord. God, let them see they have a word that's greater than their worry, that the presence of God is greater than their worry, that there is peace beyond the storm, that they can have peace in the middle of the storm, God, not tomorrow but right here, right now, today. So Holy Spirit, would you come? Reveal yourself to us. We want more of you today. In Jesus' name. No one looking around. If you're here.